and welcome to the first ever episode of the Shockaholic Podcast. This is just a bit of a space for me to kind of respond a little bit to the world of horror that's out there, especially media discourse, reviews, things like that. Uh, hello, I'm Chandler. I'm the host of The Beauty of Horror, as you may know. I, I do believe this is being put through on that particular stream. If not, hooray, I, I managed to have a little bit more time and brain power to put together a new feed for this. But if I did not, and it is just kind of like a subtract thing of the beauty of horror, that makes sense too, because I'm probably thinking I just want to make sure that it, you know, gets a bit of an audience uh, and gives some people who are really desperately looking for some beauty of horror episodes something to listen to. So if you don't know me, name's Chandler Bullock. I am a horror host. I'm an actor. I'm an entertainer. I'm a director. I'm a scholar. I'm a lot of things. I've done a lot of things, and I do a lot of things. Um, my day job is I work for a company called Logic Locks, where we create immersive experiences, predominantly escape rooms, so things to do with puzzling, but also immersive storytelling and interaction. So that's my trade. And on top of that, I really dig horror. I love it a lot. I have a very intimate relationship with it, and if you want to know more about that, you can check out my writings. You can listen to some other amazing podcasts, which will be in the show notes of this episode, so you can kind of give some love to other podcasts as well. But yeah, what can you expect here? Like with anything, not a lot of regularity, and I'll explain why. So first thing we're going to have today is an update on the beauty of horror for anybody who's kind of chomping at the bit for information on that. But for the most part... I'm actually going to be focusing on the new Hellraiser movie coming out because I am extremely excited for this movie and I have a few things that I just kind of want to get off my chest about this movie and my excitement and why I'm so freaking ready for this movie and the things that they're doing with it. And I also want to give a review of Jordan Peele's Nope because damn it, that movie, I have thoughts that I need to express uh, and I don't really have a lot of time to write at the moment so I'm going to give a short spoiler free review after I give my announcements and updates about the beauty of horror and then later I'll give a longer spoiler review I guess so hey join me in all this uh, it's really just my thoughts and feelings uh, see it kind of like a reaction style thing like you know youtubers do this stuff all the time but this is a podcast so it's podcast formatted it's not cut up but i'm sure i could and maybe i will uh so if you enjoy it you need to let me know comments are good for that so let me know in the comments of whatever podcast platform you're using or find me on twitter at underscore shockaholic okay those are my plugs for now uh on to the beauty of horror. What's going on with the beauty of horror? The beauty of horror is kind of officially, unofficially on a hiatus, as you may have noticed. The reason for that had to do a lot with travel, because I was at my mother's in Mississippi for quite a long time. Most of the stretch of disgust, that's where I was. But it was very difficult to work seven hours earlier than the day of my work day here in the Netherlands. I just couldn't sync up super well. It kind of got to me a little bit mentally. Uh, I was having a hard time with it. And just kind of stressed myself out with because my brain does, <laughs> does that to me. So just going through some things. And then when I came back, I just had an adjustment period of catching up with work again. And it just got busy. We had a lot of going on. We're hiring new people. It's very busy all of a sudden. Uh, so, yeah, you know, part of what we do is the service industry. And I, I manage the staff at our locations as well. So I also have to be around the city constantly so if i'm not doing that i'm also very busy and tired mainly i'm recuperating i'm relaxing and i just don't really have it in me all the time to hook up the the system i don't have a dedicated space for recording it's just my living room and i hook it all up so uh yeah you know th those little things but it is coming back i have some really cool things planned for you so one thing that i want to officially announce now i've mentioned this on twitter so for people who do follow along and kind of curious what's going on uh, we're going to have a slight format change. It's going to still be the same material that it has always been, but I'm going to try to 
make sure that my approach to it from the sublime on, that's where we're headed as the sublime, it's just a little different now. I'm no longer going to ask my guests which aesthetic they want to talk about. I'm more just going to book them based on the time frame. If they want to do it sooner or later, then we know if, where it's going to be. Are they going to be in the sublime? Are they going to be in the grotesque, which is how we're going to wrap things up? That's going to be determined in a very just kind of technical basis. But they're still going to bring in a movie of their choosing and... I'm going to start giving them a little bit of research. So if anybody's already on the list to be on an episode and we haven't recorded yet, you're going to get a little bit of homework, okay? I want to have some fun with you, especially all of you who don't really have any connection to philosophy because I think that philosophy is such an interesting place to discuss things, you know, as a as a field of study. It doesn't have to be so, you know, it can be really down to earth. It can be really interesting. I think that people philosophize a lot more than they think they do. So I just want to kind of bring that up out. But I also want to challenge you a little bit and bring in some education there and just help you understand things, at least the way I understand them, and see if you agree or disagree, and let's have fun. So we're going to try to make it a little bit more structured in that way, but still same types of conversations, and it might have the same tone at the end of it. I don't know, but I, I just kind of, kind of like the idea of making people sweat just a little bit. So... That is what we're going to do. I have some fun guests lined up and have really fun guests in mind if they say yes. So I'll be approaching some people soon. And I'm hoping that my schedule frees up enough that I can put more regular recordings in. Hell, I'll be honest with you all. The reason I'm recording this right now is I just did a guest spot for the Fishnets and Philosophy podcast hosted by Nick's Bell Morgan. So you should check out their podcast as well. You'll, you'll hear a familiar voice in the coming weeks. Uh, but also, it is a really, really dope and amazing podcast. Uh, they have nailed it, and I love the whole vibe of it. And just please support them, please. Okay, that is the beauty of horror. That's what's happening. I can't give you a timeline on when things are going to happen, just that they are in motion. Do not fret. The website has the same thing, spreadthebeauty.org. It is also in a bit of a stasis because I'm the webmaster. And so, although we have material to put in, I, I do want to apologize to anybody who has submitted to me recently. I have received your emails. I have received your content. Uh, I've received your work. And if I haven't responded to you yet, purely just been busy or brain drained <laughs> to an extent. So I'm just really trying to make sure that I am fit enough mentally and in my energy levels to give people the attention that they deserve when I'm talking to them. And so if I feel like it's kind of stressing me out due to maybe like executive dysfunction or something like that, I'm trying to listen to it a little bit more, but I'm also trying to get out of that funk. So I'm healing, I'm getting there, and uh, good things are coming. Okay, now, let's talk a little bit about Nope. I saw this recently, and I got to watch it in the cinema which I have not done for I think over a year now I think the last movie that I saw in the cinema had to be Candyman 2021 oddly enough uh, yeah it's uh, I'm very picky with the movies that I'm gonna go out and see in the cinema these days uh, it used to be like Marvel movies and Star Wars movies would have been thrown in there you know, big event tentpole films that's why I say oddly enough but for me these are the tentpole films films that just make me like super excited and want to see them so uh, I went to see Nope, and I actually went with some uh, friends slash colleagues uh, as well. They invited us to come along, and I was really happy with that because I really enjoy hanging out with them. We get along really well, so I was super stoked. I have never gone to like a movie night with them or anything. Uh, we watched a movie together before, but not in the cinema, so it was just cool to do that. And uh, we all loved it. We had a great time. And this movie, <laughs> Jordan Peele is on such a different level than... I would have expected him to be on and not like I expect anything other than just really smart filmmaking but it's because of this expectation that we all I think kind of had of where is he going to go what sort of like big brain philosophical uh, metaphor is this movie a representation of and I was really happy to see that without spoiling anything Nope is a film that although possessing very smart educational material if you're really listening to what's being said 
is about so many things that if you were to really distill the core plot of what is it actually about, it's about what you get. You know, it is really a blockbuster film that if you just go in to watch something entertaining, it does its job and the rest is there to enhance the quality and to do some good work with your film. And I think that is a very responsible way to make a movie. I think it's a really fun and cool way to do it. His sense of humor gets to come out through it a lot. His sense of horror, timing, irreverence, it's all there. It's all amazing too. Cultural uh, references and things that you would not expect to be called out are called out in this film. And I love that. I love that Jordan Peele's finger on the pulse really taps into a a subtle rhythm that we all are feeling but we kind of don't realize it's there like your pulse really like you're not really aware of your pulse until it's too loud and i think that's where nope kind of fits is that the moment he put the finger on that pulse really like, that is it that is yes absolutely what we're feeling even if it's not shouting it out loud and it may even be things that you're like i haven't even really given this any like active or conscious thought in recent memory but you know it, and you, you either agree or disagree or whatever, but you do feel it. And uh, so anybody who hasn't seen Nope, absolutely check it out. Just because you, you really want to give yourself the opportunity to see how this movie makes you feel. And at the very least, if you want something that's fun and exhilarating is just a really good popcorn flick, it is that. I'm, I'm not lying to you. It, it is that. So well done to everybody involved in this movie. Big shout out to Kiki Palmer because, oh my goodness, that performance is just powerhouse. Powerhouse. Loved her so much in this movie. Everybody really, really delivers with the characters that they're given. I, I cannot stress enough. Just quality is in swathes, <laughs> to put it away. So, nope. Gets a huge seal of approval from me. Absolutely loved it. And can't wait to see it again. It's one of those movies that I, when I first left it, didn't know if it was a movie I would come back to very often. But I actually think I would, just because now that I know it, I'm curious to see if I still just find it fun, you know? Now that I, the mystery of it's all gone. But now I want to experience the uh, spectacle of it. And if you know, you know, okay? So, that's my views on Nope. Now I want to get on Hellraiser. This is kind of the, the, the real, you know, meat and potatoes, if you will. We're going to get back to Nope. I want to do uh, a proper spoiler review as well, but it's been a little while. I won't have as much to say about it because of all the details probably getting hazy for me, but Hellraiser. Okay. This is a little bit of a news thing. Uh, I'm going to bring in some news every now and then in these episodes, but just things that I find interesting to talk about. Maybe there's like some internet discourse and some gossip and a juicy thing to kind of weigh in on if I feel brave enough to do it or care enough to do it. In this case, I do because I want to talk about not only how important I feel it is that Hellraiser stays alive as a product, but also how impressed I am with some of the decisions they are making. So the first thing that I want to bring up is just the fact that Hellraiser is a very, very special franchise to me. It's one of those properties that I didn't see until I was a bit older. I think it was probably maybe 15 or 16 until I saw the first Hellraiser. And, but it was one of those movies that was like ingrained in my head. I'm sure we all had that. Those of us who grew up in the time of video stores. And I, you know what? I'm curious. If you're uh, from Gen Z or maybe you're a, a, a you know, younger millennial who may have also kind of missed the video store era. Do you have this relationship with streaming? I'm very curious to know this. You get the cover art. And I know with streaming, they can often just take like a still from the film or something. And they'll, you know, Netflix will switch it up a lot. But what happened to me a lot was you had like the tapes or the DVDs on the shelf. They'd have the cover art. And it's just, like, it's just the poster that you see on t-shirts or on the walls and the posters themselves. And Hellraiser was just one of those that just was just pinhead holding the limit configuration, looking really, really fucking pissed. <laughs> and just something about it screamed like this should not be watched. It felt like such a taboo film. And then when I saw it, I just was just 
blown away with how much more taboo it really was, at least for my southern, you know, white sheltered sensibilities, you know. Uh, I just, I was raised in a very Christian environment of people trying to repress everything. So sex was uh, very like, mm, we don't talk about that. And so for, for that movie to be as horny as it is and so like sexually liberating and uh, mixing pain and pleasure and trying to open your mind to the idea that some people can revel in the macabre, it's just like, yeah, I felt really understood watching that movie. But also I really was repelled on a very visceral, sublime level of I could not deal with the, the level of uh, gratuity going on i just couldn't fathom that you could put this into a movie or even think this sort of kind of stuff up you know so it's always been a very captivating property for me and i love a lot of the sequels but that first one that's a special one for me i just love that storyline i think that that's where the magic kind of like built the whole franchise as we know it and I'm very happy to see it continue, even though Doug Bradley has finally decided, look, I'm done with it. They don't really know what to do with it anymore. I'm tired of playing this character and only being known as this character. I'm an actor. I should be appreciated for more. I should be able to be hired to do more than just this. And I'm getting too old for this. So there's just so many reasons for him to pull out of it and be frustrated, whether he is or not. You know, just, eh, he's done. He's checked out. Their attempts to recreate Pinhead have been, eh, you know, at best, like, you tried. But I think it's because they were trying to capture the wrong things. I often feel that adaptations, when they fail, especially, like, adaptations and sequels, that's a good thing to add to it. When they failed, it's often because they're kind of vibing with the wrong thing. They're vibing with just detail and content, trying to recreate, like, we want somebody who can say, tear your soul apart. Like the same way. They want the same delivery and it to be exactly the same. Or if you're going to go wildly different, you just hired an actor who looks good with the pins and then, you know, doesn't even really remotely sound the same. But we're still going to make your voice nice and deep because it's continuity from a thing that we all know the way that we know it. I really like that this is getting rebooted in such a way that we're going into unknown territory, yet it's still very familiar. So... The big thing that came from this movie, now, there are a lot of reasons that I'm excited for it outside of just my personal connection to Hellraiser, but, you know, David Bruckner is a very exciting name to have on the directorial part of this. I love the ritual. I thought that although the script was a little empty for me, what Bruckner did with it was very impactful. I love the really cool ideas of having somebody in the moment but also back in the past at the same time so you would just see like their background slowly transform into this uh, convenience store where you know a traumatic event took place even though they're in the woods and you would see them in the woods but there would be like little elements of the convenience store i have not seen the night house yet i really really want to see it i keep hearing that it's kind of similar in uh vibe as the hellbound heart so I definitely need to check that one out. I've been hearing wonderful things, and I believe every single one of them. I just haven't really had the mental place for myself to want to sit down and watch that movie just yet. I'm waiting for the right time. I really want to give it my, my proper focus, and I'm really excited for that. And uh, on top of that, we have the fact that Clive Barker is attached to this, in, 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 at least on a consultancy level. And let's get into the casting, though. That is the big talking point for Hellraiser. You knew I was going to bring it up. Let's face it. And that is the fact that we have Jamie Clayton as our pinhead. So we have a feminine pinhead. And if you are, you know, if you are very uncomfortable with others, <laughs> to put it lightly, you are having an interesting response once you learn that Jamie Clayton is a trans woman. So that's where it's getting interesting is, you know, people are trying to argue that they're, if they don't agree with the casting on the basis of, I hear somebody whistling right now, so I'm sorry if you're hearing a bunch of noise. Uh, we have our air conditioning on, and also that means that there's a hose going out the wall, so you can hear the city outside. So lots of strange noises. Just focus on my voice. All right. What I was saying, though, is, you know, I think that a lot of people who are, 
having problems like, oh, it has to be Doug Bradley or it's not really Pinhead or whatever. I don't know if these are necessarily all the same people who felt that way about the last two films. I I can vibe with some of them that they're just big Hellraiser fans and they were just happy that the franchise was continuing. But this Hulu thing, they're not down because a trans woman is going to play Pinhead. It's not right, you see. It's not correct. Uh, look, if you don't want to be called a transphobe, don't say transphobic shit. That is a very first start. And I'm not trying to accuse anybody of being transphobic. I want to make perfectly clear, I am not, I repeat, I am not saying that if you were to claim that Jamie Clayton is bad casting for Pinhead, you were being transphobic. I am just saying you need to make sure that your argument isn't based in transphobia. That is it the fact that you don't really understand the person who is cast and you can't really relate to them and their their experiences if that is what's bugging you and you felt that you could more with doug bradley and you're just saying well doug bradley's the only guy who could do it ask yourself are you a fan of pinhead or are you a fan of doug bradley as pinhead keep in mind this is a character that was created in a book he's existed in comic books and all kinds of other media as well and i think it's very interesting to explore characters like that in multiple ways and also the more you unpack barker's whole like pantheon and mythology for the cenobites and the lament configuration and stuff uh having somebody like jamie clayton cast into this role it's quite appropriate really it's very interesting casting i'm not going to say it's like a stroke of genius or anything like that you know we do have a lot of identity politics going on in the industry right now you would not be wrong to say that that's a thing whether you find it good or bad, I think that's where we need to have a deeper discussion on, like, why do you find it negative? Why do you find it positive? Because it's in that why that you can kind of determine where you're really, like, differing from each other and, and what really you find hurtful or are not hurtful, you know? Uh, and it, it might be time for some self-reflection for some of you. Uh, it's always time for self-reflection, really. I, I'm always trying to find ways to do it myself. You know, I, I have these knee-jerk responses to things as well, but it's really good that when you have that knee-jerk response, you take a moment and go, how is this the best possible outcome? So I think this happened with the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. I think that's a very good example of what I'm talking about because there's been a resurgence in people who are now praising the 2016 movie and talking about their love for it and why they enjoy it and, and how for them it's actually a more enjoyable film than the original two and i'm really happy with this I, I quite like hearing their reasons for it i did not enjoy it and i'm going to tell you why though because there's also speculation as to like well if you hated this movie and you like the others it's safe to assume certain things and they're not wrong it kind of is especially with the way people argue and people are arguing in a vehement, it'll never be as good, me, me, me. I would kind of start feeling a little bit like, or you just didn't like that there were women <laughs> who were in the lead and Bill Murray, you know, wasn't Peter Venkman in this movie. So I'm not on that camp at all. I mean, at first I was. I, I was a bit of a dick about the whole thing. But uh, as the movie came out, like, I loved the cast. I loved Bridesmaids. I loved the whole, like, team that were working together. I think... The characters are actually really, really strong in the 2016 movie. I think Kate McKinnon has been given a disservice for not being able to explore that character more in other movies. Because whether I enjoyed this story or not, I wanted more of this franchise to see what they could do with it. My complaints actually were about how derivative it was. And not to say I felt it was lazy or anything. I just more just didn't care. I don't want to see Stay Puffed at all anymore. I'm done. I just, I'm so done. And I really feel like take the essence of what made ghostbusters work and make your own ghosts go with that i'm also just not a big fan of like vomit humor and stuff so for me the, it's just the sense of humor that was in it didn't really resonate with me all the time but the verbal jokes and the back and forths and the moments of improv and i love that they have their their himbo with crim Sesworth and stuff like all of that i loved i loved all of these elements put together and i loved their subversion of a lot of the more you know uh, heteronormative and toxic elements that were still prevalent in the 80s movies because they remain in the 80s, you know? It's, it's going to happen. Whether there could be more going on in the background of those movies or not, I don't know. That is very interesting and something that I think is a great thing to investigate and look into. 
for the Sega film history and analysis. Go for it. I don't think that anything or film is, is immune to this. It's just be ready to have your arguments set clearly pinpointed at where your problems are. And so that's where I come from with the 2016 Ghostbusters. I love that the franchise continued. Didn't really love what they did with it, but I'm very happy that there's an audience out there that has this thing to, you know, feel so strongly about the way I probably did with the first movie. And maybe it's different. That's also okay. It's okay if people have different types of engagement with things. I, I love that. Hellraiser's going to be the same thing. It is a direct-to-streaming movie, but I've seen people bemoan this. Why? I've, I've seen somebody literally say, in the comments, so we're talking about the comment section of the latest teaser that Hulu released on Twitter. It's like this like 20-second thing of a very stylistic image of Jamie Clayton in the pinhead makeup with the cutout of the word Hellraiser going over their face. So a lot of people were really, you know, throwing some shade at it because they were just saying shit that has not been tested and they just want to say something negative. So they, they don't want to say, ah, it's woke. I hate the word. I'm sorry. I hate, you know, that usage of it. We know what you mean by that. So if people are at least aware enough to know that you can't really say that without it, you know, being clear what you mean, they'll go another way. They'll be like, well, I just want to be negative. You know, I don't want to be offensive and make somebody feel like I'm being racist or transphobic or whatever. But that's the problem. You don't want people to perceive you as such, but you're still doing it because you're still acting on an emotion that you're having on the basis of something that you don't understand and don't want to. So just, nah, I don't want to. Uh, and it may come out more hateful than you intend. So, you know, that's, that's me trying to give some people the benefit of the doubt. But if I don't want to give you the benefit of the doubt, some of you are just assholes who are trying to hide the fact that you have really, really terrible, hateful opinions. And we see you, okay? We do see you if you're doing that shit. I see it in this stuff when they're saying, oh, it's going direct streaming. That's how you know they don't have any faith in the product and it's not going to be any good. But, like, pretty much from four onward, that's what the movies had. They were all, like, direct-to-video or direct-to-DVD, and they vary in quality. And, no, they don't live up to the cinematic quality of the 80s. But have you seen The Sandman? <laughs> have you seen... What we do in the shadows. I mean, there are so many series from so many different production companies. Have you seen Breaking Bad by any chance? So many products out there that have been created, or projects, I should say. That's a better word. So many projects out there that were created that are on par with cinematic releases. And they're just series because they need to tell their story uh, more you know, compartmentalized and longer for you to digest it. I think that's what they're going for with this one. So just because it's on Hulu doesn't mean anything, really. It just, it, it is. It's a series, you know, it, it's not even a series, actually. It, you know, it's a direct to streaming movie. I forget, there is a Hellraiser series coming up, and I'm getting them through each other a little bit, but I don't mean to say this is the series. But even still, okay, so those were series, but let's say uh, people love the Fear Street movies. That's another really good example. So that you see how there are so many examples counter to what you're saying also just because it's going to streaming doesn't mean that it was intended for that look at prey look at a lot of the movies that shutter picks up they easily could have been cinematic releases and they might still be one day you, you know don't think that it's all a monolith yeah, that everything is just the, the same as a concept there are likely to be streaming services that continue to celebrate physical media and cinema releases because they care about crafting a fan base and curating the art for their consumers. So it can happen. I, I can see a few of them that I'm like, yeah, you're very likely to do this. Um, just on the basis of what they host on their streaming services. Hulu's one of them. I think that that could be an interesting thing, but maybe not. Maybe they want you to just stay in the realm of streaming. I don't know. What I do know, though, is that there are too many examples contrary to that opinion for me to really buy it when the movie's not even out yet. So anything that you say preemptively about this movie that's going to make it shit in your eyes that hasn't been tested doesn't make any sense to me. So people are saying Jamie Clayton clearly is not going to be a good pinhead because only Doug Bradley could do it. I'm like that is that is a weak argument. That is untrue. That is that is just an impossibility. You don't understand art and media. You have tastes and that's fine and you can like Doug Bradley more. 
But you were literally wrong if you were saying that it just can't be done without them and it can't be done well. It, there are too many people who exist in this world and who have existed who are artists that can pull these things off, okay? Most of your casting decisions out there are lightning in a bottle. You happen to have the right person in your environment or the right person showed up to the casting to do it. Uh, doesn't mean that you, you don't have to have skill and stuff to find the right person, but you do choose out of a large pool of people who are all pretty good at doing it, all right? So when you whittle it down to the, like the, the one person, uh, that's a special moment. And so for Jamie Clayton to be chosen for this, and if you trust David Bruckner here, I know that he's not the casting director, but still, if you trust him with his actors, then you can trust that the people that they're bringing on board are people that he would want to work with and he knows how to work with. And if he couldn't, we will find out when the movie releases. That is always a possibility. So just the other way around. You also need to have an open mind to the fact that something that you want to love could just end up being terrible. And terrible is subjective, unfortunately. I, I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir here that most people who listen to this podcast probably share that viewpoint, but I'm sure that some of you may, you know, maybe it's healthy to just hear it every now and then this way. So you can kind of just ask yourself, like, am I being too harsh about this? Because if you don't want to be thrown, I get it. It's the internet, right? You're going to get people accusing you of just very extreme shit very fast because you're not doing a good job articulating that you're not doing that other than, uh, look, it's really easy to just be a little bit more self-aware and reflective and just say, like, maybe I'm just being a little overly uh, harsh and reactive about the situation because I care about this product a bit. That is possible, but be careful with your blanket statements because if you were to say to me, only Doug Bradley can play Pinhead, I can't help but feel that there's the possibility for transphobic emotion driving that frame of thought just from the mere fact that you aren't giving anybody else the opportunity it almost feels like you're masking that and i'm not saying that's what it is but it does happen sometimes it, it it is in the realm of possibility and since you are not doing the service to go whole hold look i love doug bradley and i would have a hard time seeing anybody else do it you see how the difference in the phrasing is there so that's just kind of how i feel i think there's like let's just be a little more chill about other people's opinions, hear them out a little bit better. But also, if you're making these blanket statements and you're just trying to tell us how movies are, could you just step away from the gate a little bit, please? Because I don't think you built it in the first place. And just like let, let the rest of us walk freely in and out of it and we can maybe be uh, gate kept by the people who are creating these things. Uh, and even they shouldn't be doing that. But there's really no fun in it. I don't know what you're getting out of it to tell people what their tastes have to be. Or even worse, that they just are not validated in their thoughts and feelings. And it's a it's a terrible take to like something. I don't know. Have reasons for your arguments, I suppose, is how I feel about it. Uh, but I do want to know your thoughts, though. Are, are you all, like, as excited as I am for Hellraiser? Because I really want to see what Jamie Clayton is going to bring to the table here. I really want to see what they do with these characters too are we going to get a similar vibe to like the Cenobites are kind of in the background and that they kind of spur the story on a little bit or are we going to get more of uh, a mishmash of like fan service and giving them more agency in the story and exploring them the way we have in other films so who knows we won't know until the film is out and i'm super super excited uh hellraiser hulu 2022 uh, it's this october and sign me the fuck up okay now that i've had that rant out of the way i want to give a brief spoiler review for nope just talk about some of the things that i really enjoyed from that movie so first things first it is such a beautiful looking film i just want to get that out of the way i think that the team who put this movie together they get cinema in such a profound way it's very rare to find a movie that's clearly made on digital like this that still has like the same heart soul and vibe of a movie that was shot on film i don't know how they achieved it i don't know how they do it but i think it's purely just you know respecting the art form and respecting the craft i think that that is displayed very strongly here and you can see it in the acting, you can see it in the cinematography, color, sound, design. I mentioned this briefly on Twitter, but we do not give Peel enough credit 
for assembling his sound teams, or at least uh, the studios. But I think, you know, I think he's the head of Monkey Paw, so I would, I think we can give him that credit. Yeah, no, like, his writing, his directing, his, his team assembly here, this is a person who really gives a shit about what they do and makes what they want to make, you know, whether it's meant to be really deep and philosophical or it's just meant to be fun, you know? Which gets me onto some of, like, the acting and stuff. Daniel Kaluuya as O.J. Haywood. I loved him in this movie. I know that he's got some weird shit going on in his personal life and in his professional life uh, with his manager. And I, if you want, you want to hear more on that, please listen to Blurdy Massacre because I think that they sum up everything just pretty perfectly. I find myself just chuckling along and nodding and agreeing with everything they're saying about it. So I'll let them uh, kind of take take this one because, uh, yeah, if, if you you don't need to, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that they've, they've nailed the situation there, and it's it's odd, some bizarre shit going on. But I, I mainly am just impressed with his acting range in this film. The subtlety of it. It's a long film. It's like two and a half hours long, and I was so scared going into it to think that I was going to get bored or be too slow, and it's not really. It's actually got a pretty good pace to it. It's just that it takes its time, I think is the best way to put it. It really let scenes like play out and linger and uh, I heard somebody I can't remember anymore who it was but somebody on Twitter had mentioned how like it just feels like Jordan Peele is making Twilight Zone episodes into feature length stories and that's kind of you know yeah that's the vibe I got from this movie and it also kind of feels like he's putting his sketches into the movies as well so in this case you get a lot of flashbacks to things that happened before memories but also like somebody else's thing going on simultaneously with them just enough to kind of understand the situation. And it's, it's good crafting of storytelling, but some of it is also just like, this could have been a, a sketch and key and peel just kind of thrown into the middle of this film. And it seamlessly kind of links together. And uh, it's just so, so good. And I think a lot of that credit goes to the cast as well. So Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea, and Michael Wincott, and Steven Yeun, oh, all of them fucking kill it in this movie. Also, just oh, Keith David, Keith David in this movie as the dad. What a cameo. And I love that, now we're getting spoilers, okay? I love that although he dies very quickly in the film, it's more than a cameo. Like We hear his voice later on in old recordings, and it's proper storytelling. It's really making you feel... The presence of this man who is in their life and his kids kind of trying to figure out how they feel about that you know the things that they loved about him the things they didn't love so much about him uh it's just so good and how this obsession with spectacle that we have is handled in a way that i'm i'm probably going to have to bring this up on my own podcast <laughs> this is my own podcast on the beauty of horror i should say more specifically I think I need to find a way to bring it in and do a more deep dive thing on this or maybe even write about it. But like, uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with like post-Marxist works, but you have Guy Debord who wrote sometime, I think it was around the 60s or 70s, uh, maybe even a little later than that actually, uh, concept of the spectacle and the dangers of it. And I really vibed that in this movie of how like spectacle for the sake of it is vapid and destructive and it eats everything away and it's how you get TikTok with no real consideration for what's going on i'm like have you have you all heard about this ethan mecca rapper this is a an ai driven i put this in scare quotes ai driven rapper who is not ai driven at all it's actually just uh kind of like a pixar style cg character that's been created by a team and animated by a team whose rap songs are uh, written by people and recorded by a person to do the voice. And you have another voice actor for the voice when he's speaking. And it's just an excuse to do, you know, TikTok trends and stuff with a digital person. So you just say, like, it's a digital rapper, yes. But FMECA is not actually very AI-driven. I don't know what elements of it actually use AI. Possibly responding to people in, like, DMs and stuff. But for the most part, like... It's just an excuse to do wacky shit in the fantasy world that is like metaverse kind of stuff. And it's it's so weird. It's interesting to watch, but it's not really interesting to engage with. And then you find more and more problematic things. Uh, Jarvis Johnson did a really great job analyzing this. In fact, he's one of the contributing people to get this 
rapper in the spotlight so much that uh, Capitol Records actually signed FN Mecca, just thinking it was a cool new way to do music. Maybe they're trying to get into NFTs and stuff, which I have my feelings on that, but just on a marketing level, whatever you want to do, this is indeed a product you would look into. But unfortunately, it's created by white people. Uh, white people, and, and uh, I do believe some people of, of, of Asian descent as well, but no black people were involved. It is a black character who has a black rapper doing the voice whose lyrics uses the N-word, but not written by the rapper, by the way, written by the white guys who built it all. They wrote all the, the, the lyrics and stuff. So there's a lot of problematic elements there. You also have elements of some of the videos and footage that they have and images they had. The one that really kicked it off and got Capitol Records to drop <laughs> this rapper within like three days. And this is the work that Jarvis did. So please go YouTube Jarvis Johnson. Uh, I do believe it's on the regular channel. Could be on the gold channel. Uh, Jarvis found this, and I found it just a few hours uh, before I saw the video too, uh, that on Instagram, FM Mecca actually has this, they made a CGI image of him in like an orange jumpsuit getting beaten up by police in a, a prison. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really fucked up. The things that they were doing to like turn trauma into clickbait because they didn't see it as real human experience they see it as topical you know trending and it's very sociopathic in a, in a way or at least it's laugh it's lacking in empathy and lacking in care and when you do that with your media i'm not a fan at all um but, you know, you, you have those things that exist just for the sheer spectacle of it, right? That's where spectacle goes wrong is because you're, all you're looking for is how can we generate engagement and content. And I love that Jordan Peele totally takes this to task throughout this entire film. Both of the characters, you have OJ, like I mentioned before, is Daniel Kaluuya, and then you have uh, Kiki Palmer's character of M or Emerald, but mainly call her M, how they're thirst for fame and the glory days and trying to fulfill their father's desire to be as relevant as important as and proud of the work that they did as their ancestor who is the man that you see in the very first images that created the very first moving picture a black uh, jockey and a horse I, I understand that pride and I love that they kind of show them work through all that like is it really their desire is it their dad's desire and why are they doing you know it's basically like taking hustle culture kind of to task as well it's like who are you really doing this for is it because you were told that this is the way it should be done or do you really genuinely feel that you have so much to offer the world and you just need to be given an opportunity to, to provide uh, ask yourself those questions and figure that out and nope does a good job of them kind of like ah, yeah, no, I still want it, but they want it for different reasons because they also bring TMZ in the mix. Who's all? I mean, that that got a laugh. That was <laughs> that was probably the highlight for me is seeing TMZ wearing a helmet with one eye, with a mirror all over it, making themselves look really not like they're looking at the creature, but knowing exactly how it works and shit just from like hearing about it for about six months. Of course, they know more than they're supposed to know. Of course, they show up and then still do everything wrong. You know how it works, but you're not paying attention to it. You just want a shot of it. You know enough to protect yourself from it, kind of. And then get all fucked up on the bike because you forgot the EMP that it kind of brings in. Uh, and then as he's dying, please use my camera. You got to take a photo. Just at least take a photo. Uh, that that got a huge laugh in our, in our screening. And I, I just I remember just belly laughing at it. Um, you have these elements. Oh, that that stuff just really hit for me, and that's what I meant in the like the spoiler-free section of saying like things that you didn't even realize that you were aware of and you think about, but you, they're so small. Like, I don't think about TMZ, but when you bring them into a movie like this and you do with them what you did, it's, you're just going mm-hmm and clapping and laughing and going that is so fucking accurate, and that shit is so wonderful to see in this movie, and of course culturally it was also really nice like my my friends are you know they're people of color and they were resonating with it on a particular level that i i you know i vibe with i can't totally embody it of course but i i definitely like or at least understand it in the same way that people of color would but i do get it on a 
educational level in the sense that I have educated myself on certain struggles and I've been around it myself in certain environments. So like, yeah, certain rhetoric or issues or whatever, sometimes maybe even not, you know, there's going to be plenty of moments in a movie like this where I, I'm just not the demographic. So I don't really get the joke and maybe people are laughing around me, but I'm like very happy that it's still delivering, you know, and then it makes me more curious as to what am I missing? So I love that that movie, this movie really opens it up because it's not doing the thing that has been done already. Like, look at yourself. Like, get out with the, like, is this you? You should look at yourself. This is how you sound. This is not okay. Nope. It's like, we're all kind of, on a deep human level, we're all kind of fucked up. And you can still work through that, even in the face of adversity. It's so cool. I I don't want to talk your ears off about it. I do want to keep this relatively short. There are a lot of things I can go into. I love the creature design. Very unique. I love the idea of creating a, a creature that looks like a UFO but isn't one. This idea that it's been something organic this entire time. I loved that OJ was able to outwit it, not because he is the protagonist and it's a black writer and black director and he's a black character. And a lot of people would want to read it that way. Like, oh, he's just more intuitive because he's black. And like, if you feel that way, just please, just, just chill. Just watch the movie more. He's a horse wrangler. And he understands animals, and it's brilliant. But of course, they're black. Peel has made it clear he's only going to be working with black protagonists in his films, and I wholeheartedly support it. Uh, give people work, you know, make your good stories, and you know, feature who you can. Uh, he's got a great cast here. They're nailing it. They're understanding where he's coming from. They're all vibing on it properly. It makes sense to me. And the it's the little details, like the horse wrangler being able to be like, you're looking it in the eye. You're agitating it, being territorial, all that shit. Perfect. So if you didn't pick that up, please watch it again with that in mind. And it's just mm, it's delicious. It's wonderful. Love that aspect of this film. And also I love, you know, I mentioned them briefly, but we do have Brandon Preya as Angel Torres. And that character really surprised me. I thought he was going to be really fucking annoying the whole movie and obnoxious. You always have the the UFO conspiracist as this really obnoxious, conservative fucking weirdo. And I like how this is a really grounded person who's like, no, no, no. I don't buy into nonsense. I buy into that there are conspiracies to cover things up because they wouldn't want us to know about it. And this is stuff that makes sense to me. And he ended up being very useful. And uh, he he ended up being passionate enough to actually help them out and putting himself in danger to really get this because he cared about what it could do for the world. And that was another great thing. While he's talking about that, you have both OJ and, and M like, yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> and then, of course, you have Michael Wincott's character with antlers. What a name. I, I love the, the turn there of the grizzled veteran straight white dude who's here to save the day. And, of course, he's probably dying of some sort of illness, as is hinted with his medication. And so he decides to sacrifice himself to get the perfect shot that nobody will ever see because his ego just had to make him the auteur. He's an auteur. Give the camera to Werner Herzog. Give it to Scorsese and see what they would do with it. I think that's a nice little little jab, little poke there. The way this movie pokes fun at the film industry while also pointing out its toxic traits, fantastic. Resonated with me in that level the way Candyman did on the level of being critical of critique you know art critique and uh critical theory and stuff how toxic that is and steeped in racism but also steeped in classism ableism all kinds of things and basically just ego stroking and the film industry is no different so I i love that there's that little aspect that they weren't afraid to take some shots at and all in all very fun i was surprised at how uplifting i found the movie because although most of the topics they bring up are really dark and really difficult challenging stuff because it requires some you know self-awareness and and looking looking back on yourself but it's the tone of the film that really got me that it kind of emulated jaws and how jaws decided to use john williams to his height of how he can just make you feel really happy with the music and i think that they did the same thing here bright daytime work was really nice but still some of the darkest most horrifying things people getting eaten shots from inside the alien uh the whole story arc with steven yun's uh jupe with the whole story with Gordy is heart-wrenching. So, you know, big trigger warnings for anybody who can't handle, like, animal abuse and stuff. They really point a finger at it. I mean, it's about show horses and shit. So they really show, like, 
how to treat an animal properly versus how you treat them like shit when you try to make a movie sometimes. So it really begs the question of like, what really is animals being harmed on set? Does it have to be that they got injured or you know, what about their mental strain? Things like that. So, it, you know, it goes into some really real places and I do appreciate that. And I felt that I vibe with that really strongly and I will in subsequent viewing as well. You know, there's, there's that real talk kind of aspect to it. But there is the fact that at the end of the day, we got to see Kiki Palmer do the Akira slide for real on a fucking motorcycle and then make an alien explode itself by eating a big balloon that it thought was a person. Also, the fact that balloons created an animal going in, you know, wildly insane in one situation due to negligence is now being used as a weapon to something that could actually danger humanity. Fuck yeah. Like that it's but it still does beg the question, should you kill it? You know, you don't know what that does to the ecosystem. You don't know what it's doing. And that's a good horror movie. A good horror movie should make you ask some really difficult questions, but hey, some of them also just make you smile. And I think that this is a really good one. If you just want to turn that part of your brain off and watch it, you can do that easily, just like Jaws. But just like with Jaws, you could also be like, why are you keeping the fucking beaches open? And you can really struggle with the point of the story that's being told and the emotions being felt by the characters. So that is my review, my spoiler review of Nope. If you want to hear more about it, let me know. Maybe I'll write something on it. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to end with a little bit of a review. Uh, maybe this is the format. I don't I don't fucking know. This is just something for me to kind of say hello to everybody, do something. I had fun making this theme tune that I, I got the rights to uh, this track royalty free, paid for it, edited in some stuff. So, yeah, I just having some fun, made this, really wanted to just create something and, and put it out there. And I hope that you've appreciated it. If you have, please be sure to let me know. Let me know on Twitter, at underscore shockaholic. You can let me know on Instagram, at underscore shockaholic. But please do it on Twitter because that's where I mainly am. And you can let me know in the comments of your preferred podcast platform. But you may want to tell me on Twitter in case I don't get notifications for those. Because I don't, I use an independent platform thing. Like, I, I, am, I am on a lot of different, you know, places. I don't frequent them. And they don't notify me. So let me know that you left a comment, okay? And please be sure to go to spreadthebeauty.org and support our writers. There will be new content coming in soon. Thank you to everybody who has submitted, to everybody who is in the process of getting their work edited and put on, and everybody who has already been featured. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time working with all of you. And here's to many more articles and much more time together talking about aesthetics, beauty, horror, all those things. But this was Shockaholic. A little different vibe. It's just me and my thoughts. And if you gave a shit about that, I think you're pretty cool. But one thing I want you all to be aware of is that if you hear something underneath your bed, it's not me, but you should be nervous. All right. Y'all have a good one.